0: Hello, folks, this is Princess. You are listening to the Millennial Mustard Seed podcast. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to share with your friends. It's tough. We're in a
1: very tough spot. I think that what we're doing right now is a great benefit and virtue because it's an end around between this whole corrupt informational system, media system. We claim to believe in a God who spoke the universe into existence and literally raised himself from the dead. And yet we are not going to believe that anything else exists in the spirit realm, even though his word tells us that they do. Their bodies weren't permitted to go to sleep, like humans do, and they weren't permitted to go to heaven. So they wander the earth. You know, I've seen the eyes turn black to unknown tongues being spoken.
0: These giants would live way up in the highlands. The young braves, the young men would hide up in the trees and wait for one of these twelve footers to come walking down the path, and they would jump on him and kill him, drag him back to the village, and the village would feast on the body. Then
1: people start to get weapons, they start to get armor, they start to build cities, they start to fortify their cities. Now, God looks down and there's violence everywhere.
0: The battle, this war that we are at is not against each other, it's against these principalities and these rulers and these archons in the high places. It's really worthwhile to read the Bible yourself. Fear is one of the primary drivers of mind control because we have to take every thought captive and resist fear you're going to have a testimony that is a justice case against the kingdom of darkness.
1: Welcome back to the show. Here we are, season four, episode one. It's been quite a journey. I hope you guys like that new introduction. It's a little bit long, but the idea is I may end up cutting it in half and alternating between that really awesome new introduction. All the audio is literally from the last three seasons. It's just highlights and clips that I thought were important and that really do lay out the premises of the show. I have an exciting episode for you guys. Vicki Joy Anderson is here and we talk about sleep paralysis. She wrote a book on it. She's dealt with sleep paralysis her whole entire life and literally the conversation morphs into this amazing breakdown of how we're viewing things, how I'm just understanding and growing as I go and we kinda just shoot back and forth on some of the realest topics. I don't think this sleep paralysis has been broken down this way or talked about the way that it is here with us on this episode and I'm excited you guys are here but I'm not gonna waste any more time. You guys ready for this episode? I'm ready. Let's go. Welcome back to the show everybody. I have an excellent episode in store for you tonight. Vicky Joy, it is a honor to have you here on the show. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This will be fun.
1: Yeah, this is going to be great. You're <laughs> expert in a topic. Sleep paralysis. And it goes under the radar. Nobody like at church will talk about this, but yet I know people suffer from this all the time, and this has been going on a long time. How long have you been looking into the topic of sleep paralysis, Vicki?
0: Well, I've, I've had on-the-job training since I was about three years old. Nobody oh, wants wow. to be certain sleep paralysis, right? So I was an unwitting and unwilling volunteer, uh, but I didn't really hear the, t- the, the, the phrase sleep paralysis until I was in my early 30s. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, I was shocked. Because up to this point, I thought I was the only person in the world who had this experience. Because like you said, nobody talks about it, especially, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, right? <clears throat> and you can land yourself in a psych ward on heavy psychotropic medication if you did talk to people about it. But um, I I was listening to an apologetics podcast back in my early 30s. And I was listening to it as I was falling asleep. And so when I, I woke up kind of in the middle of the night and it was still going. And it was kind of creepy because, you know, when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're groggy and you're kind of half asleep. And I kind of didn't really realize that my podcast was still playing. And so I was just hearing this guy verb. Debatem explaining my exact sleep paralysis experiences. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm having a nightmare. Like they're taunting me because like who in the world would ever know that this was happening. And, and then they said, another one of the hosts said, well, yeah, that that they call that sleep paralysis and chills just ran all the way up and down my spine. I mean, I just went cold. And so Hmm. it was this really revolutionary moment in my life because it was somewhat off putting and frightening. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, then I was so shocked and relieved to know that this wasn't like just me.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that, that was the real early days. Like, I think, you know, you had CompuServe and a couple like, like there was no Google. I mean, the, the internet was out there, but it was really hard to find stuff and it was just message boards Mm-hmm. So I, the next day I kind of was just reading message boards and hundreds of people describing this experience and it blew my mind.
1: That's wild. I've I've always had like some like strange dreams and a lot has gone on in my personal life, but it wasn't until real, real recently that I experienced sleep paralysis. And I didn't even know, like, like you were saying, like we hear these terms today and it's like, We don't always know exactly what it means anymore. Who knows with language? Chuck Miss used to say it's um, hermeneutical hygiene, right? Being very precise (laughs) and being tight and clean in the way that we deliver information if we're serious about what we're doing. But I come out of a culture where it's just like you really have no idea what the the candence or the local slang is anymore. When you are talking with someone, experiencer of this particular attack, and you can feel it in their voice. You, you just know that something terrifying happened to them. I mean, you can slap whatever label on it you want. But I, I mean, for me, at least, Vicky, like I, I, I'm an empath in, in a way where I really try to, you know, slow down and like you know, care, like listen and be like, hey, like what's going on in your life? What are you going through? Because we all have a story, right? But sleep paralysis is one of those things that's so widespread. And when, when we say sleep paralysis, from my understanding, I mean, obviously we're going to have you go into all this, but there's a couple different like levels of sleep. I don't know the language for this, but there's like deep sleep or like REM sleep and supposedly like your body, like, you know, relaxes itself so that you don't harm yourself when you're sleeping. Right. So it's a natural Correct. thing, Correct. but there's like this weird little gray area in between where people get trapped. And then they're kind of tormented there. And the, and I'm like, okay, that's super creepy. And <laughs> I, I now I really feel bad for people that are experiencing this because what happened with me recently, huh, Vicki, uh, I could tell for, uh, I don't think it was longer than 10 seconds. And I normally wouldn't go this far and share like personal stuff like this on the podcast, but I've really been feeling like God is, really gonna make some power moves for the the chosen ones, the body body of Christ, not the building people that are like got the button-downs on, but the people that are in the gutters that are calling out his name, fighting the battle. So um as I feel I'm making myself a little bit more vulnerable, I believe it's come with more protection and just more anointing from God. But I'll share this one experience here.
0: (sighs) Mm -hmm.
1: I wake up and it must have been 132 in the morning. And As soon I don't even know, as soon as I wake up or whatever, like I acknowledge that my eyes are open and I'm watching what's going on around me in my room. There's a large creature in the right-hand corner. And I can't really see an outline per se or anything. I just, and I don't even remember what color the eyes were, but their eyes were just slits and they were different. He was blacker than black. You know, he was so dark. It was like, I don't even know how to explain it. And I went to throw my arm up and be like, in the name of Christ, you get out of here now. And I couldn't lift my arm. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: No, this isn't how this works. And I literally remember in this, this 10 second experience, I had more recent than not a little bit before uh, Halloween here. And I said, I'll just say it silently in my head and you'll listen. Yep. And I said, in the name of Christ, you get out of here. And as soon as that happened, I, I was able to make a fist, my fingers bent. And I was like, I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, Jesus. Right. And I went and lifted my arm up and it's weird. Cause it felt like, like a pfft in the air, like it's so weird. I don't know if I woke up then if I was actually asleep, I don't know how this stuff works, but it was like, like a presence left, but it like, mm-hmm. I had, you know, I'm sitting up a droplet of sweat coming down my head and I look over to my wife and I grab her and I'm like, honey. So then I get up and start walking around my house and you know, whatever, I'm not going to keep rambling on, but that, that bothered me because I, not that I could ever remember I've dealt with sleep paralysis. I don't know if they're able to like, uh, veil memories or dreams or what. I'm so happy that you're here because here <laughs> I am at the end of the road on this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> It's interesting that you say, I wonder if they're able to veil the memories and things because um, Jim Wilhelmson, who wrote the book Beyond Science Fiction, I think it's called something to that effect. And he talks more about the UFO abduction phenomenon, but he does give a few kind of hat tips to sleep paralysis in the book as well. But he's the first one I ever heard muse that like a ufo abduction there may also be missing time and missing memories with the sleep paralysis episodes and when i first heard this i sort of had willful cognitive dissonance i didn't really want to contemplate that possibility because i already kind of knew i thought what i was dealing with because you these these Events are so traumatic that you have a crystal clear memory of them. Unlike night terrors and unlike alien abductions, sleep paralysis experiencers typically have a very vivid recall of what has happened to them. And they can explain mm-hmm. in great detail, like you just did, what they saw, what they felt, kind of all five senses are engaged and they can mm-hmm. kind of they explain smells, they explain everything So this concept that there could actually be portions of this memory or this episode that you don't remember opens up a whole nother host of potential possibilities as to what could be going on that you don't even have a memory of. And where this gets scary, where this gets scary is you, you lose out on a couple of the features of uh, a the UFO phenomenon. A lot of people who have the UFO experience, they, have no immediate recall of what happened now that stuff can be you know found later uh under deep hypnosis which as a christian i would never recommend uh but memories can come back slowly in dreams um it's kind of like the same thing that you know uh mind controlled or mk ultra uh, sufferers will talk about about 25 30 years old memories will start coming back oh wow But what they, what they do know is I know something happened because I have this, this missing time and the clever, albeit diabolical aspect of sleep paralysis, if it is the same type of thing is we wake up, you know, alarm goes off at six, seven o'clock. Let's say we've been asleep five to eight hours, depending on, you know, our, our sleeping schedule no one's going to wake up at at six, seven, eight o'clock in the morning and go, oh my gosh, I have missing time. Because we expect to lose, so to speak, that time while we're asleep. And so if something did happen of a supernatural or more accurately, a preternatural, uh, we aren't going to necessarily know if our memory has been wiped and we're not looking out for missing time, then how will we know? And the the scary fact of the matter rod is I do believe in many cases there are sleep paralysis sufferers who have episodes that they remember, and they have episodes that they do not remember. Furthermore, I believe that there are people out there who say, I have never experienced sleep paralysis, who may have many times. And they're not recalling it. And so what what gets potentially frightening in this situation is, and I hear this all the time, in the Christian church, why do we have so many people who are, I'm talking about legitimate believers. I'm not talking about the pew warmers and the hypocrites. I'm talking about people who genuinely love the Lord. They're seeking to obey him. They're pursuing holiness. They're living a pure, godly life, and yet there's no victory. There's depression, there's anxiety, there's guilt, there's shame, there's unresolved and unhealed wounds, and no matter how many books they read, or how many little devotionals they buy, or how much they pray, or all of the things that we're supposed to do to bring us victory, why do so many people in the church not get over that hurdle? And move past that mile marker where they have victory and joy and contentment and all these things that Christ purchased for us and won for us at the cross. And um, I think that there are many answers to that, but under the umbrella of the topic that we're talking about, I am going to ask people in their own times of prayer to seek through prayer and to beseech the Spirit to reveal to them. If there were any astral covenants made without their knowledge that need to be undone, because this is where a lot of people, Rod, they stop me. This is where the Christians get triggered and they say, they can't, that's a violation of our free will. They can't, that's not fair. They can't trick us. And I understand that point of view. But if you go all the way back to Genesis, the very first example of of a human being making an alliance with the serpent was done through trickery. They were, they were tricked. She was seduced. And so I I don't think that it's any different now. And uh, was it a violation of, of her free will? She got tricked, but God didn't come down and say, okay, I'm going to hit the reset button because you were tricked and that doesn't count. They were held accountable for that. And so exactly what, I'll end on this and then and we can move on. But what, what I have had to work through in my own life, and I do address this in my book quite a bit in chapter four, what we have to address is it's not just enough to say, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, get out. You know, calling on the name of Jesus will get the entity out of your bedroom in that moment. But More has to be done to make sure whatever open door that entity walked through has to be closed. So you have to do your due diligence to make sure whatever door was open that they brazenly walked through to access me, why was that door open and what door is it? And this is where we need to pray and really ask for supernatural wisdom and discernment in what opened this door and what can I do? What do I need to do to close these doors? Because I'm telling you from experience and from the hundreds of people I've talked to for everyone that remembers a sleep paralysis experience, there's people that don't remember. And when they pray these prayers to break these covenants that they have made with, with these other entities, not only has it freed them, not only has it stopped the sleep paralysis, but those, brick walls that they were hitting in their faith where they could not get, they were doing all the church, the going to church and reading the Bible and doing the Bible study lessons and leading the small group, but they didn't have the joy. They didn't have the affection. They didn't have the the passion to see his face in heaven one day. That emotional connection wasn't there. Once these aberrant betrothal covenants that have been made in the astral with these anti-bridegrooms were broken and they were able to then 100% legally be married to the bridegroom and the bridegroom only that intimacy then was able to flourish
1: you hit on so many important points there I mean yeah Eve's beguiled in the garden right like yes. she's she's tricked there's something going on there and yeah christians do start to cut out at that oh no we can't be deceived no we all have free will part it's like we have free will to call on the name of god like like we know when we're kids right like if you're gonna steal or do something bad like you know as bad like nobody really has to teach you that on the inside it's screaming out <laughs> do not steal that pedal bike or whatever <laughs> you're thinking about doing but that constant can be, uh, sheared over time, like calloused. Right. Yeah. And some people make a life out of crime then. But if mm-hmm. you talk to them and you, if you've ever talked with like, you know, somebody who has a, a reputation like that, they'll tell you, Oh, I knew it was wrong when I was younger, mm-hmm. but then I just didn't care anymore. And that's such a common thing. And I go, I think our free will is to, is to acknowledge like God, you, you are who you say you are. You're there and I can call on your name. And then you're hitting on the, and most Christians might not even want to come to that perspective, Vicki, where they're just willing to admit, Hey, it's so much deeper and weirder and darker. And there's so many different layers to this onion. <laughs> We're not even scratching the surface right now on the reality of what's really going on. We've been systematically desensitized by uh, encampments that we're not willing to acknowledge exist. So therefore, if my Jesus is this big, but he's not big enough to overcome, uh, you know, intergalactical alien races or whatever. I mean, I'm just saying like, I'm not, it's not out of the question for me. I'm not putting God in a box. That's, that's the whole purpose of this show. And the journey is like, I'm not going to put God in a box. I know what the word says. And the word, there's a lot of smoking guns and it alludes to a lot of different things. I'm not a theologian. I'm the guy next door. And I got weird questions and everybody has a different answer, but when I pray and talk with God about it, I feel peace that mm-hmm. he's He's in control and he's the power move. He is who he says he is. And he's way more wild than I can wrap my head around. Right. So I have to almost be okay with being malleable to the extent of, man, if this church over here, <laughs> I say church, I think people, most people say church, they think building.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I seen a meme today. I can't believe people say they don't wanna to go to church. Because of hypocrites, and then it was like some guy's face making a funny face, and he said underneath his, he said, "That's like not wanting to go to the gym because people are out of shape there." <laughs> <laughs> and I, I thought it was funny too, like you know. The, I'm like, yeah, I almost said like, but then I started thinking about it, and I'm like, bro, people that come into the church, if they're really gonna like become like David, he was like, all right, now I'm gonna go to the house of the Lord, and I'm gonna worship right? Mm, He wasn't just showing up just because it was cool. And then cracking jokes about people that weren't going because whatever, like he was like, nah, like I'm a soldier. I'm coming in. I need to eat the bread that's on the show table because me and the guys are starving. We've been out here exposing the darkness. We've been out here rattling the cage. We've been out here exposing the enemy. We've been out here taking hits. We've been out here getting bombs dropped on us. And you guys are sitting around here eating cupcakes, making memes.
0: (laughs) Amen. And, my, and I, my head's shaking uh, like a
1: bobblehead over here. Yep. Yep. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I, I didn't even think I would go, but I'm so involved in like emotionally what I'm saying. I felt the Holy Spirit there because if this is the last generation, people need to hear this. Yeah. And maybe, maybe I need to take a better approach. Maybe I need to like slow down and just be cool because I don't want to offend anybody who listens to this, but I want people to know when, when we come to the church, like who, who's got the gift of servitude? because we might need you to wrap some wounds. The mm-hmm. Bible says he who's spiritual, you know, uh, come alongside and help your brother, right? The get, Who's got the gift of healing, the gift of mm-hmm. prophecy, right? Like not despising those things and just letting them be what they are. And I feel like there's this cookie cutter mentality with Christianity where people filter things through and they joke really elaborately, really complex jokes about this this, and that, but they're not aware of the fact that like the battle, <laughs> the battle's out here. And when I'm out here in the gutter and somebody's alongside of me, crying with me and laughing with me, whatever I'm going through and they're going through like, that is the church, bro.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, and we've, we've, we've gone from the biblical language, which is extremely militaristic. We, we have language like great commission, which is a, which is a military term. And we have, you know, Uh, We lose it in the English, but, you know, Yahweh Sevaot, you know, is is the God of the captain of the armies, uh, you know, and, and there's a lot of metaphors in scripture that are comparing us to soldiers and uh, we've kind of moved from the front lines of battle to the triage tent here we are 2000 years later, and we're still all using military terms, but we're all in the triage tent showing each other our wounds and counseling each other and and I'm not saying there's not a time and a place to minister to each other and encourage one another but nobody really wants to heal in the triage tent and get back on the battlefield you know we're we're all kind of stuck in the triage tent at this point so I I'm in agreement with what you're saying about the david and the showbread and and the warfare that's out there we we can stick our heads in the sand and say that we're in a new civilized era and there's no persecution and there's no warfare. But as, Ru- as Russ Dizdar used to say, if you bury your head in the sand, you're just, you know, priming yourself to get kicked in the butt because your butt's in the air, if your head's in the sand.
1: Vicky, I think that that's why this is like so important. I was saying to LA, I'm like, man, th- this is a podcast. It- ultimately I never considered it to be in a, a ministry. I was just, I wanted to take this journey. I wanted to do something unique by capturing the process of the journey because I knew what God had told me in the secrecy of my heart that I can't divulge on, but I knew I didn't know how it was going to go down. So I was like, let's record the process. And I'm just going to start asking all the questions that nobody will answer. The sleep paralysis, right? The nightmares, the deja vu, like what you name it, whatever. The millennial generation, my generation, we grow up and now we have these supercomputers all of a sudden in our pockets. Yeah. We're not like fighting to like dial up. I remember you just like fight with my, you know, siblings to dial up, but they're like, stop dialing up. I need to get on the phone. Right, they're, the cord stretched ten feet across as they're like fighting for the last, ju- you know, cup of juice. <laughs> like, yeah. like you know, it was so much different when I was a kid than what we see today. But when when we were coming into adulthood, we had supercomputers in our pockets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. This is a peculiar time to be alive. Now we're in 2023, and I'm looking around and I'm going all of these messages and signals, all of this confusion and chaos, it, it is going to knock on everybody's door at some point. So what Vicky and I are saying right now, like like you said, Vicky, what Russ said, mm-hmm. get your head out the sand. Yeah. And if your head's in the sand, don't come crying to me if you get kicked in the butt. Right. You know, like, yeah. but the whole purpose is, like, this podcast just started to actually, like, become other people's journeys too. And other yeah. people are like, oh, I can relate. Or, oh, you know, they kind of were like at a crossroad or they were like, hey, that was some unanswered questions I have five years ago on the same journey you're on. And I just started to understand, you know what, God, you're just so much bigger than us. And we we cannot be ashamed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, right? Like if we're being redeemed and sanctified by him, I don't know what the big deal is. We should be able to cover these topics. So Vicki, yeah. you studied for like what, 15 plus years about sleep paralysis and uh, you're bringing a lot of wealth to this conversation for me and and helping me to just really break a little bit more of the shell off myself of like you know what yeah we're gonna slap on sleep paralysis on this title so a bunch of people are out there they're like you know what clickbait yeah go ahead click on it (laughs) and if they get mad at me it's like well why'd you click on it then You've seen sleep trousers like don't be mad at me. Listen to the whole thing. <laughs> right? That's right. That's right. What's going on with these these entities? How do you think so? You talked about like the UFO background a little bit or
0: mm-hmm.
1: what? Uh-oh. Vicky, do I still have you there? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yep, I'm still here.
1: Why did it just show you went offline? This is I saw right.
0: I saw that little pop-up thing too, but I am still here. <sighs>
1: Okay, well, hopefully it's it's still recording both of us on my end, and I'll just edit this little part out later. Okay, What I'm going to do right now. <laughs> of course! Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely understand that this is, uh, this is pretty normal at this point.
0: I know. It's all good.
1: You know what, Vicky? At this point, if the enemy is trying to steal the airways, and this isn't recorded, and I can't edit this out later, like, let's just say it's just me talking, Okay. we're, we're going to come back again. We'll pray up a, a little bit more on it and really punch the devil in the face with, yep, with this will. one. But Memories. tell me, so, so tell me what's going on in your opinion. Like, has your research led to? And do you think that there's different camps? Is it all one camp, but they're just like changing the mask and torturing people with paralysis? Or do you think this really is um, an abduction? Yeah,
0: that's a great, that's a great question. Yeah. And and I might have had a different answer if you'd asked me even three years ago, but mm. even just in my research since the book came out, uh, I am really coming mm. to the conclusion. M- maybe not every time in every case. You know, nothing in the world really works a hundred percent of the time. It's a hundred percent always the same thing. But mm-hmm. um, I know there's people that like I had sleep paralysis once or twice when I was a teenager, and or I, I had it once after a divorce or a really stressful time, but I'm kind of talking about the people who have been harassed with this over the course of their whole life. Um, I do think that it is an abduction scenario and it's a, it's a transformational process. I talk about that a lot Hmm. in the book, kind of the theme of it is this transformational process and, uh, kind of, where I like to start, just so, you know, a lot of Christians, they want the chapter and they want the verse, especially when you're talking about supernatural stuff. Um, I do think that sleep paralysis is mentioned in scripture, but not much is said about it. It's obviously not fully unraveled for us. But uh, where I like to take the Bereans out there who who are seeking chapter and verse and they're testing every spirit is I like to take people to Ephesians 6.12 and then do a little bit of a deeper dive. And when when we talk about these rulers and authorities, depending on what translation you're reading, archons, fallen angels, uh, spiritual entities of darkness and evil, it it seems to give us at least four categories. And I, I think there's more than four categories. And But it's kind of giving this general overview that, this these high places contain more than just, you know, what we would classically call a demon or a fallen angel. And uh going back to what you said about Missler with the uh, hermeneutical hygiene, I think a lot of churchgoers, demon is sort of this catch-all, anything evil, anything strange, anything oppressive, anything tempting yeah. yeah. is a demon. And a demon is a very specific thing. A fallen angel is a very specific thing. A ruler, an archon, the, these are specifically different things. And, and then when you get into yeah. the astral realm, ascended masters, that's something completely different. A spirit guide is something different. There's human beings crawling around up there. There's cultists and,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: and things like that. And so where I like to take people just so we're all kind of on the same page from the get-go is if you delve into the meaning of, of the high places, because this is the location of these entities. And we know that these entities are our enemies. They're not our friends, because it says at the beginning of the verse that the battle is not against flesh and blood. There we go with militaristic terms again. The battle, this war that we are at, is not against each other. It's against these principalities and these rulers and these archons in the high places. So it gives us the location. and. The English translations, high places, heavenly places, if you go to the Greek, it's Epiranios. And if you study Epiranios beyond just the lexical form definition in a Greek dictionary, you go into the contextual uh, meaning of it in that verse and how it's placed and how it's conjugated. It takes on uh, a meaning of the lower heavens of the earth. Uh, so it's not, it's not the throne room of God. Uh, the, wow. the the throne room where God dwells uh, and where there's a throne and, and the, the seraphim and the hashmalim are there and Jesus is at the right hand. That's not the place crawling with spirit guides and ascended masters and people who hate us. And so it's a differentiation of the heaven, the way a Christian would define heaven. But it's also not talking about the sky. You know, you look up and you see an airplane in the clouds. It is a dimensional plane where these evil things hang out. And where it gets tough to to have discussions like this, Rod, is that sleep paralysis affects every one of every religion it's not something that just happens to christians but it happens to a lot
1: yes yeah, it's ex- yeah. It, it happens
0: how? to new agers it happens to atheists it happens to buddhists hindus native america it doesn't matter what your religion is or what your culture is it happens and so what we have to understand is we all have different words for this place and the words can be very triggering So if you say heaven, you can potentially offend someone who's not a Christian. If you say astral plane, then you're going to trigger Christians because that's an evil place and don't talk about astral projection. And uh, there's been media that I've been involved with, Rod, where I've been instructed beforehand that I can't use the word astral. And all astral means is of or pertaining to heavens. Uh, The starry host, we know from Genesis 1 that these things were created by God. They are for seasons and for signs and for Moedim. There's nothing intrinsically in and of itself evil or new age or occultic about the starry host. Now when you start bowing down and worshiping the starry host, or you start astral projecting into those dimensions to, to seek knowledge from these things well yeah now you've got a problem but yeah. acknowledging that there's an existence of an astral plane is not uh endorsing it or saying you should go there i'm I, so for for just the sake of everyone being on the same page whether you call it the astral realm or the astral plane or the lower astral or the second heaven or the, the upper ranias or the high places or the heavenly places. Basically what we're just trying to differentiate is this place is not earth Mm -hmm. and this place is not the throne room of almighty God. There is a place somewhere in the universe, somewhere dimensionally where the riffraff who are enemies of God and enemies of our soul hang out and they are looking for any opening they can get to lure you or drag you up there for the purpose of transforming your soul into the image and the doctrines of their messiah Mm. not the messiah of the scriptures
1: it just keeps building and built like i hope the audience is like seriously hanging with us because this is a good one like i'm like I'm, I'm starting to grip the chair a little bit and i'm like i'm like okay i'm like deja vu fits in that category as like it's universal yeah. doesn't matter upon religions you have all these words hive mind parallel universe yep. astral yep. projection right proto science i mean you name it right yep. and then you have the sra victims you got yes. people that have been abused by occults and dark followers of what I, i'm not even going to name their names on here it's just it's yep. They they don't have power. They they have power with what they have power with, but they serve an inferior god. Yeah, he, he's he's weaker. Whoever yes. they're serving and getting orders from, he is not like the god that I serve.
0: Amen.
1: And I wonder, is that why most? And I'm not. I'm not a judge. I I don't want people to get the wrong idea when I'm about to say this, because it could be taken the wrong way. But there's a lot of people in church and it seems like certain people are targeted in church with, with bearing through life with all of these, huh, hmm, all of these like, uh oh, things coming against them. Everything mm-hmm. goes wrong. Nothing really works out for them. They're dragging a chain and a ball and most mm-hmm. people can't even see it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that hardship and deprivation is sometimes written on the sleeve of the shirt Mm. that they wear and they really truly want to be free and they really have been through the ringer and most and and like you were saying earlier vicky if they try to talk about if they try to actually give you a paragraph and describe to you what they may have dealt with recently they're afraid to do that if they did you might want to put them in a padded room
0: yeah
1: and it's like okay well right now i mean this is how it's been and it still kind of is like that but now I've been noticing like CEOs and like law enforcement. I mean, I've talked with people. I won't get name names, but I I can't believe that five six years ago I was getting made fun of for these topics. And the people mm-hmm. that come to me and talk with me now and ask me questions, I'm just like, man, you need to get in the word. And yes, it is all real.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Why are those people getting picked on in the church? Now there could be a couple of theories, right? Just the way my mind's working here, Vicki, maybe there's a large scoop of people in the church that are, they're there because deep down inside they're looking, the trigger words are, where's this King of mercy? Where's the King of grace? Right. But then there's this like facade, there's like this fake thing that's being projected out because of trauma and torments or just confusion or just the culture. And so they're kind of sitting there in like, um right like they're kind of stagnant right Mm -hmm. they're just kind of like waiting for i don't know maybe the right time or their strength of their own spirit to start to get refreshed whether it be through the gospel being uh, the true gospel actually waking through that area or not but then you have other people that seem like they're just waking up it's almost like the movie the matrix like but some people have no idea what's going on at all you got these other camps that are just like what are they talking about? Sitting there in church just texting, you know, Amazon order on the way. They you got a nice car, all their bills are paid. They got big plans to go travel. Right. They have no idea what it's like to walk around limping and and saying, "God, help." I mean, some of my prayers have just been, "God, help. Help." Is yeah. the veil just thinning to the point where the injured are becoming more visible.
0: <clears throat> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address this, I'm, and I'm going to start somewhere where you might think that I'm changing the topic, but I'm not. I'm coming around to this. Go to Job chapter 4. This is, I think, the most blatant example of sleep paralysis that we have in scripture. And a lot of people get this wrong. They just assume, because it's in the book of Job, that part of Job's torment is that he was also having sleep paralysis. Like, oh, the poor guy, he's got all this going on. And plus he can't even get a good night's sleep. They're coming at him at night. But what a lot of people don't understand is that uh, this in this chapter, it's not Job who's suffering the sleep paralysis. It is Eliphaz, one of his uh, not so theologically correct comforters. And so Job 14, 13 through 16 says, amid disquieting thoughts from the visions of the night, When deep sleep falls on men, dread came upon me and trembling and made all my bones shake. Then a spirit passed by my face and the hair of my flesh bristled up. It it stood still, but I could not discern his appearance. A form was before my eyes. There was silence. Then I heard a voice. Then Aliphaz goes on to explain the wisdom that came from this spiritual visitor and what he's basically doing is what a lot of people in the modern church do when they give you advice. God told me this. I have a message for you from God. When, when you start a sentence, when you preface a sentence with what I'm about to say comes from the mouth of God, that makes the sufferer incapable of arguing with you without coming off as being full of hubris. You're arguing hmm. with the words of God. And so what Eliphaz is doing is wow. the equivalent of, hey, a spirit from heaven came down and visited me and gave me this advice for you. So in other words, you can't argue with me. I have the upper hand in this conversation because this came from the mouth of of, a, of someone from the spirit realm, some angel. And we know from the end of the book that Eliphaz mm. had to be... Uh, you know, uh, Job had to offer sacrifices on behalf of the foolish counsel that these friends gave. What the friends were saying, and this is getting around to your question about people nowadays in the church who wear this on their sleeves. What what Eliphaz and his two buddies were were trying to explain to Job is your suffering is because you are a sinful man. You are unrighteous. You have unconfessed sin. So surely you deserve this somehow. You're, be, you're getting just punishment for your unfaithfulness. You have opened doors and this is your comeuppance. And unfortunately, what happens when you strip the church of everything supernatural, if you take the supernatural out of the scriptures, you take it out of the vernacular, you take it out of the comfort zone of what pastors and parishioners are allowed to speak about, Then when someone does speak out about it, they are in the same situation as Job in that the counsel they get from their friends is usually something to the effect of, what did you do to open these doors? And then they start asking these probing questions like, have you ever played with a Ouija board? Have you cheated on your spouse? Do you watch pornography? Have you... Ever dabbled in witchcraft? And and, and they start asking all these questions. Um, and I'm not saying that sin and unrepentant sin and dabbling with witchcraft and disobedience don't open spiritual doors. Of course they do. But we have to go beyond that because there are people, as you say, who have been targeted from the womb, from the birth, from childhood. Um, and one thing that I see somewhat consistently in the people I talk to who have had sleep paralysis their whole life, including myself, is th- it started from the womb. And many of them will talk about how they weren't supposed to live or they were born with some sort of thing and they fought for their life in the ICU for the first month. And Not all of them are that dramatic, but many of them will talk about uh, many many experiences throughout the course of their life where they came very close to dying car accidents, you know, falling off of, you know, roofs and, and all this. And, you know, it's interesting as I was, I was interviewing people to include case studies in my book. And and in my book, there's uh, not only does every chapter begin with a personal experience from a different person, but there's an entire appendix full of people's stories as well. But as I was interviewing people, What I found without even having to ask is many of these people as they were telling their stories would say, I almost died like seven times between when I was born and 15 Mm. years old or something like that. And so it got me thinking and I'm like, well, I know that I know that I almost died at birth because I was born with this severe birth defect and, and whatever, but other than that, but I was curious. And so I, I started making a list and I've been doing this list now for maybe three or four years. And what I, if you had asked me like, Hey, how many I almost died experiences do you have in your life? I'd say like, Oh, probably a couple of those surgeries I had were pretty serious, but that's all I would have said. But having four years to pray over it and contemplate it, I now have a list of over 18 times in my life where I very, very seriously could have died. And I'm not talking silly little things, I'm talking flying out of a Jeep on an exit at 45 miles an hour. And my uncle grabbing me in midair and pulling me back into the Jeep. I'm talking about being surrounded by eight to 10, six foot tall guys, all in black that looked like ninjas when I was in Mongolia in a black market, um, like an open market. I I mean, I'm talking serious stuff, swimming pool drownings and things. So, so all that to say, and, and I do talk about this in chapter six of my book, After you've examined yourself in the mirror, after you have had a hard look at doors that possibly you could have opened, after you've confessed sin, after you've gotten on your knees before the Lord and you've repented of all the foolish things you did in your youth and the things that you dabbled with and the doors that you opened, if it persists, then you go a level deeper and you start thinking, is there anyone in my home with headship? A father, a husband? A grandfather a patriarch is there someone in my home with headship that could possibly be bringing this in and and then you go another level and you say could there be something ancestral could there have been mm-hmm. secret society oaths that were made over the entire bloodline or family name um and then you just keep pushing further and further but as a final resort and I'll I'll end it here and let you uh, get in but As a final resort, I did mention in my book that there are a few occasions in scripture, Moses, Jesus, and Abraham. Abraham's account actually appears in the book of Jasher. We have three men that the enemy seemed to know before they were born that this guy was going to be a thorn in their side. And attempts were made to take their lives As an infant. And so, Hmm. are there cases, if we are, here's a bunch of hypotheticals, Mm -hmm. if we are in the end generation, then that means that God is in the process now of gathering and training and equipping an end times army who will be able to have the discernment to not be fooled by by the great deception, and they will not have fear. And they will in part be trained through spiritual warfare. David didn't just go out and slay Goliath. He killed the bear and and the lion first. That was his training ground. And so in some cases, perhaps the enemy has some sort of an idea of who these soldiers are, who the people in this end times army are going to be. And he's going to seek them out from childhood and he's going to try everything in his power to wipe them out. And if he can't wipe them out physically, then he'll start to wipe them out spiritually. He'll start to get them to recant or they'll be so hurt or go through some sort of trauma in their life where they'll deny Christ and they'll say, it's not worth it. And I don't believe in this anymore or they'll get them intrigued with the supernatural to the point where they get sucked in and they start getting into false uh, false aspects of spirituality he's going to mm-hmm. do whatever he can i wow. think to systematically wipe this army out so that you know when when it gets to the battlefield instead of 10,000 maybe there'll be 5,000 and then he feels like he can he can take that he can take them So these are just some Hmm. of my musings as I've talked to other people. And um, some of this is, is documented in, in the book as well.
1: Sometimes I feel like I've stopped at the brook and I'm looking down and I'm going to pick up stones, but I keep lifting my head up to see how many I need to pick up. How many brothers does he have? You know, like when David stops. Yeah. and he picks up five smooth stones and <laughs> I think there's a lot of other people out there that are right in this weird area where it's like I'm about sick of this barbaric giant tormenting my home, my family my my blessings and how deep and how far back <laughs> like you yeah. were saying, systematically yeah. how deep and how far back does it go how many stones do I need to pick up
0: hmm
1: how many brothers does he have? David picked up five stones. I think uh, Goliath had four brothers. But Vicki, you said some stuff there. It just blows me away. Some people within the audience have been asking for quite some time for me to do what's called an explanation, which is I have alluded to a lot of these very interesting things that I've experienced throughout the course of my life. And honestly, I'm still kind of, <laughs> I'm still on the journey. Yeah, There's so much going on. So like that, it just, that scared me a little bit when you're going through it. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like it just keep, keeps getting, keeps getting deeper and weirder as like, I keep doing this podcast. <laughs> like some of it, I'm just like, yeah, there's no way at all to get around or out of this now. Like there's no turning back. It is like, <laughs> it is beyond an option
0: <laughs> you're welcome <laughs>
1: yeah, that, yeah so uh yeah vicky she kind of like really put the icing on the cake i know that i said that five episodes ago but seriously now we're even deeper and it just keeps happening <laughs> but it's refreshing in a way because I'm, I'm also like like i know god has given me peace on certain things like just peace in my heart where i'm just like man I know this is going to be okay. And then sometimes we feel a little bit of like the shudder and the, the earthquake of what the world and the enemy and the, in the dark winds that whip and crack the air around us. It hasn't moved me. So, I mean, I've had people try to kill me. I actually had um my, a near death encounter. I got jumped by eight guys and uh, you know, beat into the ground. Like, like literally and that was like my first, like real near, near death encounter it happened. I think I was 19, 20 years old you know there's there's other stuff I just um, I can't talk about yet but it just blows me away because there's certain things where I just like I'll talk to God now and just kind of laugh a little bit and be like Lord (laughs) like it's like that song I wish I knew what I know now when I was younger because it's like you know (laughs) I they did have me uh pretty jacked up but as I went so far and then I felt it's almost like I'm anchored to God somehow. Mm-hmm. And I went as far as you could possibly go. And then you're like, Oh, you, I can't go no further. And then the, whatever entity that might've been stronger, uh, tricked you to think he was stronger than you at the time would try to yank on your arm. And he'd be like, yo, what? No, he, the lines right there, like a little further. And it's like, they knew like, Oh yeah. All right. Reinforcements. Cause this is one we really don't want. Mm-hmm. To be drawn back.
0: Yeah.
1: You see another thing that when I was younger I didn't talk for mm. years. Like most people yeah. don't don't know this, but here, here's one more thing I'll add to, you know, part of the future explanation. They held me back in kindergarten because I wouldn't say a word to anybody. I wouldn't wow. talk. Wow. I thought there was something wrong with me. And, um, but I was really good at artwork, you know, like my dad had came to visit just a few months back and I hadn't seen him well last year I seen him, but before that, it was like five or six years. And I remember him saying, oh yeah, you're, you know, so good at art. When you were a kid, he's like, the teachers would just look and they'd be perplexed. They'd be like, his artwork is, is, you know, fourth and fifth and sixth grade status in kindergarten,
0: Hmm.
1: but he, he won't talk or do any of the other work. So you know, they had the flunk me and they didn't have terms like ADD and ADHD and all these crazy terms. Like when I was a kid, like now it's right. like, Oh yeah. You know, I'm borderline dyslexic. You know, I deal with uh, ADD, like all these things that like they slap terms on. I'm just like, whatever. Like, I don't, okay. If that's the language that like helps you understand I'm peculiar. Great. Cool. All right. <laughs> Let's move on because like, I, you know, I can't, I can't hang there too long. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Um, and then I shouldn't have been born. You know, I, I don't really want to get into the, the details that, you know, my dad wanted a son and my mom, they were like, Oh, we're, we're finished. You know, we have enough kids. And she actually went to get her tubes tied and then found out she was pregnant with me. Oh my God. She cried for like, you know, weeks, she said, because she just, she had thought like, okay, like this is kids are a lot harder than I had imagined. Like we're done. Like we're going to budget. We're going to, you know, and I think she was maxed out. And then found out she was pregnant with me. So, uh, you know, I've heard that my whole life too. So it's funny that you say that because I'm like, oh God, like, please help. Just help. That's the prayer. God, just help. Like, keep me humble. Keep me engaged with the right people. There's a lot of false ones that try to pop up from time to time. And I feel like I've been talking way too long. I'm so sorry to the listeners. You guys, this is not the normal interview me. Like sometimes I, I said this recently sometimes i just leave interview mode and i'm just like this is organically the the best conversation right now ever so i don't care
0: yeah no this is good <laughs> you know you you <clears throat> you said some key things whether you realized it or not and you know not to go all psychobabble on people but <laughs> one of the things that i have had to struggle with my entire life mm. it, it, sometimes i'm aware that it's there. And then sometimes I'm completely uh, not aware of it at all. And then the, you know, the spirit reveals to me, like, this is the root. It's always the same root. And I'm like, what? I thought I figured that out. But you know, when you, even if you were raised in a home where you were loved and provided for and taken care of, your basic needs were being met. They were being kind to you. There was no abuse. Mm -hmm. There is something in the, the spirit realm. And and I talk about this in the book as well, where in my case, when when I was born, my parents did not know that I was going to have a birth defect. So when I came out, I was looking pretty, pretty roughed up, pretty, you know, and they didn't know what was going to happen or not. And so my mom told this story about how uh, when she was sharing a room with three other mothers and uh, the isolates got wheeled in and every mom was going to get a chance for the first time to hold their baby. And, um, the other three women grabbed their babies and were cooing and everything. And mom looked over into the isolate and she did not want to pick me up. She was somewhat grossed out. Right. And, and she didn't want to do it. And she said that she saw the eyes of the other three mothers staring at her, boring into her, like, what is she going to do? And out of peer pressure, out of fear of man, not wanting these other mothers to think poorly of her, she picked me up. And so the first contact I had with my mom in my mom's arms, she did not want me. It was that spirit of rejection. And this is where the babble comes in. Sorry. But that spirit of rejection um, I've since read, this is amazing to me, Rod. I have since read, Um, from Christian uh, psychologists and neurologists and things that the bonding between a child and his mother doesn't come from the breastfeeding and the holding. It comes from when you're first born and the mother makes eye contact with you. And it is the eye contact between you and your mother, you and your father, you, that is where you start to develop your, whether or not you are wanted in this world. And so because I had a deformed face, none of the adults that were picking me up and I was being picked up few and far between, I was in the hospital the first month of my life and people weren't cuddling with me. No one was looking at me. And if they were making oh, eye contact with me, it was pity. And so I went home a month later, not having been held, not having been breastfed and not having had any real eye contact. And so I already knew on some level at one month old, this world does not want me. I don't fit in here. And I I went into survival mode at one month old and I was in survival mode until I was 40 and God broke that through through a very painful dark night of the soul so you're telling me things too like you know your mother was like oh okay there are things in the spiritual that get embedded deeply into our our soul and this is another aspect of people that that are set apart for god the, here we have these children that that come onto planet earth God has set us apart to be his elect. He has plans for us. He, he's giving us gifts. He's given you artwork. He gave me writing. He's given us this um, desire to communicate and articulate truths and, and to help people. And we're both empaths. So what happens from day one? The enemy says, I want to relabel this person. So that from day one, they don't go to scriptures for their identity. They don't know that they're fearfully and wonderfully made. They don't know that they're the apple of his eye. They don't know that we're a royal priesthood. They don't know that we're the bride. We only, we grow up with hypertealorism, which is my birth defect. We grow up with deformity, ADD, mute. You know, those labels become our identity and even after we find Christ and we you know everything is on the outside like i've got it all worked out life is good i got all these friends and like hey i got my driver's license i went to college everything's great and what we don't realize and i was kind of talking about this earlier when i was talking about these astral covenants we may have made with false bridegrooms and we may not know these declarations and i talk about this in in my book when we make false declarations about who we are, when we ascribe to ourselves unbiblical, untrue labels, when we believe ruinous lies, when we make oaths and declarations, I'll never get married. I'll never love again. I'll never trust a man. You know, there is no God. When we say these things, they They might be quickly forgotten by us, but the enemies in the high places, they intercept those messages.
1: Oh, my gosh. And then they have a legal ticket. They They have legal
0: legal right right now. And so, you know, Now here I am, decades away from my birth. I don't remember any of this. I don't remember the times I came home from junior high saying I hate so-and-so and I'm never getting married and I hate guys, you know, cause they were so mean to me. I don't remember any of that stuff. I'm over it. I'm not holding grudges. I don't cry. over, I don't look in the mirror and sob over the way I look like I'm an extremely healthy, confident person. I, I even scars and everything. I like my face, but those things were intercepted and one by one, as I remember them, I declare out loud, father, forgive me. That was a lie. I believed a lie. I am so sorry. I didn't know. And, and I, I I'll end on this. There's an obscure Mm. uh, section in the book of numbers where it talks about women who make vows to God. So it's, this is not a, this is not an apples to apples comparison, but the concept I think is similar. What it says is if you're a man and you make a vow, your vow holds. That's it. Your word is your word. Mm -hmm. If you are a woman and you make a vow, once you're, if you're married, if your husband hears of it, or if you're unmarried and your father or your brother who, you know, if your father's dead, if it's your brother, if, if the headship character in your life, whether it be a husband or brother or a father, the day that your husband or father or brother hear about that vow, it doesn't have to be the same day. The day that they hear of it, if they disapprove, they can disavow you of your vow and you can get out of it. So what I pray when I wake up in the morning, because I don't know in every case if if there's something that's happened that night that I don't remember, or as memories come back to me of stupid things I said in haste or things that I said in uh, over unchecked emotion or self-pity, these declarations that I made about my identity or lies I believed, uh, what I do Mm. is I say, Father you are you have designated yourself as my heavenly father jesus you've designated yourself as my bridegroom so this is the day now that you've heard about these vows that i made if you disapprove of them will you disavow me of them and i just have faith that as i pray you know with the help of the holy spirit i I ask how to pray for these things and and one by one as these come to my mind I'm able to ask God to disavow me of those foolish things that I said because uh, there is so much power in the tongue and the word says so much about the tongue being a rudder and it talks about one day we're going to be held accountable for every foolish thing that came out of our mouth. And uh, I, I do think that there is a huge link between People who have a calling on their life, who who are born with with the sign on their forehead that nobody can see but God. These people that were born with a purpose or a Hmm. calling that have been targeted at a young age. There's many things that we all have in common. A lot of us are empaths. A lot of us have had almost dying experiences. Hmm. A lot of us have felt lonely and isolated and misunderstood. A lot of us have a gaping wound of hmm. rejection that goes all the way back to day one it needs to be recognized it needs to be repented of it we need to disavow ourselves of those things and I believe that this uh this root of rejection is a cancer and it is uh yeah. it, it's dormant in a lot of people and then there's a lot of people because we're a prideful people that we don't want to To admit it. So we, you know, like, oh, I don't have anxiety. Oh, I don't have depression. My word to the wise rod is always, hey, when in doubt, if the spirit actually is able to get through to us, because, you know, we're a distracted, overly busy people. We're going at 3000 RPMs a day. This is why we can't even remember to like bring our car keys when we're going to the car and we got to write stuff down and we need these to-do lists. We're going... 100 miles an hour. And if the Holy Spirit actually penetrated our thoughts, actually got through that tangle of thoughts, and it resonated with us, then it must be important. You drop everything that you're doing. I don't care if you're in public, I don't care if you're in your car. You drop everything that you're doing right then and there, and you bring that in prayer, and you get that taken care of. Because you might forget five minutes later. You might not remember when you get home to do that. Wow.
1: This is the first time we ever talked, and just, <laughs> I feel like you know me so well. I feel <laughs> like you're talking about me when you're talking about them or you or this. And then I chime back in, and it's just, it's unreal because it's an emotional roller coaster. I jump in and, and ride with people on certain episodes like there'll be parts where i'll tell them i just took an emotional roller coaster with you and then it's right back to business like it was but this is one of those episodes where it's a lot a lot more frequent and and um it's it's so personal it's so Mm -hmm. personal because we're hitting some roots here and yeah you know people if they listen this far that means you can relate and that means they're they're feeling most likely how we feel right now vicky which is like a bit of liberation but like still kind of like i personally a little bit terrified
0: yeah like yeah like
1: you know what i mean like happy excited
0: yeah oh this is so
1: cool it's like first time you ride a roller coaster maybe second or third time so you have a little bit of an idea what's going on here but you got on the roller coaster because it's fun but you also knew you were going to be terrified and screaming bloody murder one point, like ah, you go, you know, upside down, and that's sometimes how this journey feels for me. Like I feel excited, but I also feel like, okay, my stomach's about to drop.
0: And, yeah. Well, oh, I'm, so weird. So weird. I'm I'm really enjoying this conversation. I'll tell you why, like anybody who's like, hey man, I thought this was going to be about sleep paralysis. I want to hear about shadow people and sucky buses. Look, you, oh man, you go to my website, you click on the media tab. <laughs> You can listen to hours and hours and hours of me talking about the vampires and the threshold covenants and the astral realm. Like it's all out yeah. there. I've said it a million times, but what this episode is really doing is it is a round table for the people. That have had sleep paralysis their entire life the people that have had sleep paralysis their entire life it's kind of like guys that come back from war everybody wants yeah. to hear their war stories but the guys that are war heroes they don't want to come back and relive that they don't want to talk about that people who've yeah. gone through sleep paralysis i saw a shadow person once oh yeah well i saw the hat man once yo one time i got pulled off my bed we don't care it's all like we've all seen it a million times that what yeah. we really want to know is why is this happening to me? And yeah. this is making, oh this is gosh. changing who I am and this is making my soul dark. And this is making me question it, if I'm okay with God. And it's, uh, this is making yeah. me I ever be normal. And can I have a family or am I mentally ill or why is this keep? Wow. Ha- how come every door I close, how come it's still happening? This, this is a discussion for people who don't need the, the goosebumps and the campfire mm. stories these are the people that have been there for 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years. And this is perhaps the first time sleep paralysis has even been discussed at this level because it it it's deeply entrenched with our identity, and it, it's deeply entrenched with how we visualize in our head and are aware at every moment that this life is a cosmic war and yeah. someone's got one arm, someone's got mm. the other arm and we are in the middle of this tug of war and we yeah. can't relate to the world around us where people walk around in a daze, just talking about social media and Netflix series and response oh, and their gosh. favorite food. Yes. You're sitting there listening to all of this stuff and it's almost like you have sleeping gas and you can hear them talking, but they're like a room away and you're like, this is not the world I live in.
1: You're you're freaking me out. <laughs> like, I've been looking for friends, like my whole life. I go so far with people, and yep. here I am on the podcast, where like this is going to go all over the place, and
0: <laughs> out of the bag, man. Yeah, <laughs> not, we're not the only ones. Though. We're not, alone. not There's got yeah. to be thousands. Of other people out there who who oh. felt this way. And I mean, look yes. at Jesus, you know, he might not have sleep paralysis, but obviously he was being hounded by the enemy all the time, right? And yeah. what what do we see over and over again? He was always retreating alone. Oh
1: my gosh. You see, people give, give me away. such a He was Baker. exhausted.
0: He was burned out, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, he says many strong bulls of Pashan have encompassed me. Right. That's yes. recorded. And he's going up and he's praying and he's taking time with God. And literally like within the, just the last month, I I can't even get into it, but I cannot tell you how many times people have used, which is a public relevant weakness that, that, you know, people in like my private life or that I work with or something would know that I have Mm -hmm. against me to try to crush me with it. And I look at them now. I'm just like, yeah, you're out your mind. Like you think that's going to work? Like if this was chess, like you're thinking checker moves and I already mapped out checkmate and I don't mean to be bold when I say that but the the reason I I depict it that way is that does not work
0: yes like like you're
1: revealing to me that you're an out-of-date piece of software that cannot complete its mission yes and it's weird because you know then learning the balance of I need to still have compassion and be cordial yeah. and be, you know, I, I, yes. uh, we're talking about things now that I've, I've ran through in my head. I've talked to God about it, prayed about it. I've very selectively talked with people about, I had somebody tell me, uh, well, multiple people say, Oh, why are you so cryptic, uh, cryptic when you talk? Like, why is it always? And I'm like, it's my protective mechanism because I know that there's a lot of wolves out here,
0: Yeah, yeah. you
1: know, and I'm not like running around looking for more punishment. Like, did you not, Oh, obviously you don't notice much because I limped in here and you didn't say anything. So
0: Yeah. yeah um absolutely. it's just so
1: weird. It's all so weird because it's like as it becomes more real, you just start to go. I don't know if I'm ever gonna have like a real friend, like, hey, let's go watch the baseball game, pal. <laughs> or, like go get a cheesesteak. Like I'm outside of Philly, and you know, people are like, what kind of cheesesteak you get? I'm like, I've been in my house reading for three days, like, where are you at? I <laughs> know, I know. It's I so know. crazy. It's so I... crazy because you, you, joy, Vicky, joy. It, It is, God has blessed you and you bring joy to me. You're going to bring joy to other people. You are being used by God to just, it all starts to make sense. When the chosen ones start to get together, they edify each other. They encourage each other. They just know, because it's like, yo, I'm not alone. And you're speaking stuff that I thought other people couldn't understand or get on that wavelength with. And then, you know, there's an anointing on this person's life and, you know, God divinely opened up a door for you to be with that person, to communicate with that person. So that's these little idiosyncrasies for me is like, I'm a part of this generation where we're, we're going to rip the rest of the veil. Like yeah. it's been fading oh, and yeah. thinning and God's gonna be like, okay, now get oh, ahead and yeah. rip it on them because yeah. this, this day won't surprise you. God's going to say, because you have been on the wall watching and weeping. And yep. you have been heavy and burdened. Like G- they say, even Jesus was a man of tears m- at times.
0: Yeah. Like yep. he
1: wasn't always, but there's, there's this joy that comes from knowing, even though I'm suffering, even though
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: this all had happened, yeah, it's going to be okay.
0: Absolutely. Amen. Amen. You know, there's this uh, business philosophy. It's called the law of unintended consequences. And, you know, it's when you have an innovation or some sort of protocol or something. And, you know, in your mind, you've got it all mapped out on paper. It's going to be great. It's going to save money. It's going to sell a million dollars. And then there's that one like, Oh darn, I never thought of that. And it kind of blows up in your face, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah. So
0: this this law of unintended consequences. And I, I think the, the perfect example of of someone who keeps falling for that is the enemy, you know. Yeah. He keeps thinking he's got the Lord checkmated yeah. and then it's like, oh, that blew up in my face. And so the yeah. the way i'm kind of looking at this this is why i'm willing to come out and talk publicly about something that no one wants to talk about no one wants to admit you're going to get gaslit the medical and the science field are going to just keep gaslighting you uh you're schizophrenic you're crazy you're this you're that whatever i don't care i got bullied for the first 18 years of my life I, the the yeah. last thing in the world that's going to bring me down is someone insulting me but the, the way I look at it is, okay, enemy, you want to bring us into a quantum age and you want to entangle all of us together and create a hive mind. Guess oh, what? Wow. Guess what? That means that people like me and Rod find each other. And when you create a hive mind and all of God's elect who have been silently in survival mode alone their whole life, and they're in the in the fetal position getting hauled into the triage unit, <laughs> yes. we're going to find each other because you Let's connect go. us. Let's go. Yes. And we will Let's be 10,000 strong. And we'll, we are going to be what brings you down. So hive us together all you want. It will blow up in your face.
1: And that is a perfect transition just to really reflect on this conversation and just enter into the rest of this evening, just going, God, I am excited. Yeah. And and just continuing to reach for that armor. And as the day draws near that, You know, we just continue to communicate and sharpen each other and bear each other's burdens. Yes. You guys, this is a different, this is a whole different level of communication. I have been so reserved for the last three years on this show, just kind of giving little tidbits here and there, but I've been feeling it. You guys seen, you know, some other stuff with me recently where I'm starting to open up more and come out because I really just feel like, you know what? The enemies like has swung at me so hard. I'm really like, well, that didn't actually hurt as bad. Like I clenched and was way more scared than when I actually got hit. Yeah. And then God in the secret spaces starts to tell you, pull your shoulders back, kid. Call him yeah. my name. I'm the only thing that can p- empower you. Do you not know that you speak from a place of victory? And yeah. And that's why, that's why what we're doing is so important because Amen. years ago, there was another podcast. There was, an, there was only a very small handful of people that came up, looked me in the eyes and said, you're different and you have mm-hmm. what it takes. And inside, I'm like, I'm ready to cry because I'm like, my dad called me a traitor. Mm. They, they beat me up when I was younger. Everybody made fun of me. Mm. I've been chased around neighborhoods. I've had guns pulled on me. I've been beat up. I've had all kinds of stuff. I've lived in beautiful homes with everything and I've been in nothing. I've yeah. been in the gutter. I've experienced yeah. a little bit of both and I never yeah. understood why. I'm like, yeah. Why is, why is everything out of whack? Nothing's balanced. Like yeah. I always just one, not like, don't hurt me. Like stay away. I always just wanted to kind of get into the next room without being like verbally or spiritually or even physically gripped up and, and questioned or hit at times. And yeah, that's, that's no more. <laughs>
0: nope. It's not. It's not. And Rod, that's no I'm just,
1: more. Yeah.
0: I'm I'm just going to speak this scripture right. over you. Mm. as well as anyone listening this far who's Mm. also resonating with us, wishing like, man, I wish I was on that podcast talking to them, because I'm resonating with this. I'm just going to speak this over Mm. you, Rod, and anyone else that this applies to who's listening, who's been weary, beat down, discouraged, mislabeled, Mm. uh, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, The oil of gladness instead of mourning, the cloak of praise instead of a disheartened spirit. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. So we're going to go forth from from this day, Rod, you and I and anyone else who's with us listening. We're going to put on a cloak of praise. And we are going to take the label, not of rejected, not of ugly, not of ADD, not of whatever we've had. We're going to take on the the label of an oak of righteousness firmly planted in the ground. When the storm comes, we will not be shaken and the name of God will be glorified.
1: Well, it looks like the show is going to have to morph into the millennial mustard tree for season four.
0: That's right. That's right. Seeds got to grow eventually.
1: Yo, it. I, I I act like it's still a seed, but the enemy don't know. Yeah,
0: that's right. It ends Vicky. up being the the biggest plant in the uh, garden.
1: Wow, Vicky, it's it's been an honor. I'm I'm so happy that God spoke this and then we, we both just listened and went with it. And now the outcome already is just, um, I'm, I'm just excited for the future. Everything that you, you said here tonight has been edifying for me. It's, it's challenging me literally. I'm like, I need to go for a walk and get some water now after this episode. (laughs) So tell the listeners where they can find you I'm going to uh, ask you to send me privately then a link for like your book and just any show notes sure. and stuff, but tell them verbally right now where they can find the book, where they can find the show, anything that you're working on.
0: Sure thing. Thank you so much. So Absolutely. the book is They Only Come Out at Night, Exposing mm-hmm. the Dark Weapon of Sleep Paralysis. It is available exclusively on lamarzuli.net. You can get a hold of me or get my other books at vickyjoyanderson.com. And I'm on Instagram at VickyJoyAuthor. You can also catch me on YouTube with my co-host, Tom Dunn. Uh, Tom Dunn Mm. was the mentee and protege of the late, great Russ Dizdar. Mm. And we do a show, um, Through the Black does a show six nights a week on on YouTube. Tom and I, are uh, we do our shows Monday through Wednesday, 11 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Saturday, YouTube
1: that's it that's the show you guys heard it if i know if you made it this far listen it helped share this what are you waiting for share this with your pastor share this with a friend share this with somebody who you know is going through this but get the word out there because uh these ocean righteousness we're not backing down coming from southeastern pennsylvania god bless america goodbye <laughs>